Good morning, Camp Wanaslea. It is another unfortunately sunny day here, and I have nothing good to report. Camper deaths are up again! The mess hall smells like vomit, and once more we have discovered a severed human foot in the woods. If it is yours, please come and claim it immediately. Nurse Asami may still be able to reattach it. Clearly, campers, the buddy system is not working. I'm not sure what more I can do. I've put a ring of salt around the camp, hired that exorcist, added more bear traps to the perimeter, banned all hacksaws. What is it going to take to keep all of you from getting murdered? <sighs> well, at least there is drama counselor Takashi's upcoming play to distract us for a little while. Campers, if you'd like to audition, there are two main roles. Sad widower and crazy lady. Isn't that something? The sign-up sheet is on the back of the main cabin over by the fireplace next to the extra-large canvas sack. And I can't believe I have to be saying this, but if the sack appears to be moving, please do not disturb it. Stay quiet and stay alive. Hello, campers. Welcome back to Bunk 237, ah, horror movie podcast. The slightly unhinged uh, but very fake summer camp we made up so we could gather in small groups and talk about horror movies. I'm one of the hosts, Tuyet Wen. But you can call me Tubular Tuyet. I just made that up. I don't <laughs> have to say that. I'm call you that. Um, I am your co-host, Robin Zlotnik, and you can call me Robin. Um, <laughs> joining us today is a very special guest, Zena Dixon. She is your best friend who loves horror movies. She's known as Real Queen of Horror, which is the name of her over-the-top YouTube channel and website. And she's also the co-host of the very entertaining Bloody Disgusting podcast. Thank you so much for being here, Zena. Thank oh my you. gosh. Hi, guys. <laughs> That was terrible. Hello. I'm sorry. No, <laughs> no that was perfect. <laughs> um, and I'm so excited that you're here because we have a very special movie that we're talking about today. To yet. Thank you, Robin. Today, we are discussing 1999's Audition, uh, directed by Takashi Miike. I'm going to call this an unlove story about a lonely <laughs> middle-aged widower who's also a TV executive. Uh, who conspires with his friend, conveniently a casting director, uh, to hold a fake kind of real audition for a kind of real movie. But the whole thing is just a cover to interview future potential wifeys for himself. This leads to the widower, uh, Aoyama, to meet young Asami, who, to keep it very, very simple at this moment, really flips the whole scheme on him. (laughs) (laughs) To put it lightly. (laughs) Uh, I mean, this is like Takashi Miike at his... I think most Takashi Miike, yes. Um, <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Zena, what is your, do you remember the first time you saw this movie? Um, I think I was in high school. I think I was in high school when, when I checked it out. I was going through a phase where it was just like I wanted to watch like Japanese horror. You know, I needed it in my life. So this was like the early 2000s, maybe 2003, 2004. And um, yeah, I just feel like the world wasn't ready for audition and I wasn't ready for audition. (laughs) (laughs) 
because you know i kind of thought uh it was going to be more like um pulse or uh ringu or, or juan you know like yeah supernatural like ooh, scary yeah no it felt really wrong and you know <laughs> And to to you you mentioned it where it's just like like an unloved story. I feel like it could have easily just been like a, a rom com for know? like the first hour of the movie. It basically yeah. is. <laughs> yeah, this is a slow burn. It is. Yeah. It starts off, I think, very like Hitchcockian. You know, this like long drawn out tale about these lonely people in this mm-hmm. like lonely society. You know, people trying to find each other, and then just that last thirty minutes just fucks everything up i mean oh my gosh i saw this in the theater when it came out and i had been working at an art house movie theater that premiered it which was very fortunate for me at that time in my life but i definitely like <laughs> i remember honestly probably maybe even being a little bored the first time i watched it for the first like hour mm-hmm. and i'm just like it wasn't yeah it wasn't it wasn't <laughs> right. the ring you know? yeah. <laughs> like I'm waiting for something to happen. I'm waiting and I'm waiting. I'm waiting. I'm getting a little comfortable. And then I got too comfortable. (laughs) And I think that that's what happened to a lot of people the first time they watched it. For sure. I knew that it was messed up (laughs) by the time (laughs) I saw it for the first time. I think I also was in high school, Zena, and I um, dragged my friend (laughs) to my house to watch it with me because I was like I'm not going to watch this alone like at that point it was like this is the scariest movie of all time so we put it on and watched and watched and watched until the first time you see her sitting (laughs) on the floor with the bag and then the bag moves and Mm -hmm. she left she was gone (laughs) (laughs) and I watched the rest of the movie by myself (laughs) that's so mean through my fingers she went and hung out with my mom in the other room (laughs) she was like nope I'm so sorry (laughs) and then last night I was home alone and I watched it again and it was like this movie for some reason no one (laughs) no one wants to share this experience with me ever Well, it's hard to share, honestly. It <laughs> That's is true. hard to watch. Even I've seen it a bunch of times and then rewatching it for this, I still like covered my eyes like, "Oh my god, why am I watching this?" but you can't, you know, you're you can't stop. Yes, totally. And I think too like those images were so burned in my brain. The bag on the floor, the flapping tongue <laughs> on the floor. <laughs> the like ballet teacher at the mm-hmm. piano. Uh, with his feet like bound and like all I had all of that stuff burned into my brain and I just like forgot the rest like I forgot the framing device which was kind of weird it was weirder than I remembered Mm -hmm. like because it's like really dream sequency and like having visions which I did not remember at all. That's how I felt as well. I felt like it was very like dreamlike, you know, like, is this real? Is this not real? And then there's so many questions, which I'm, I'm sure we'll, we'll get to, like, who's the real bad guy? Yeah. You know, um, because it, it's kind of like, it's been a while. Well, it's been a couple of months since I rewatched it. And it's like, okay, why am I watching it every three months? Well, let me tell you why. <laughs> <laughs> because... <laughs> Because I actually always come across people who have never seen this movie, but they always wanted to. And then they ask if I can watch it with them. And I mean, I'm not going to say no. You have the opposite problem of me. Too many people (laughs) want to watch this movie with you. But I I watched it maybe back in, I want to say November, because uh, my husband, he's never seen the movie before. 
And he's not crazy about like horror, but he'll watch it. And so I was like, oh yeah, we can watch it. It's kind of a love story. So <laughs> kind of, kind of, kind of, kind of. So, yeah. you know, rewatching it, you know, like, like you both, there were some things that I actually forgot, like the scene that just made me want to just honestly just throw my whole TV out the window. Uh, she vomits in a bowl. That, and is, that is the I, worst. Could not take it. That, ew. And then it's just like, come on, let's, I'm going to get real nasty right now. The thing that's kind of like just gross about it. Yeah, it's vomit. But, you know, vomit has a smell. And this person, yeah. this just all nose in, you know, can you imagine? Oh, like, uh, uh, it was also the consistency of the vomit. Like, because it was very liquidy. His like yeah. beckoning one finger. Uh, uh. Let's take a quick pause for anybody who needs a second and listen to a word from one of our sponsors. Have your dreams become reality? Okay, listen very carefully. Do not dream about giant monsters attacking the city. I repeat, do not dream about giant monsters attacking the city. Instead, head over to Apple Podcast and write a review for Punk 237, ah, horror movie podcast. We promise to not release giant monsters in cities. Probably me telling you to not dream about it is making you dream about it, but don't dream about giant monsters attacking the city. God damn it. I have a, I have a badge called the bag lady badge <laughs> she is the ultimate bag lady <laughs> um, but like that image was so burned into my brain that say I was waiting for that scene when the phone rings and then the bag flips over you know I was waiting mm-hmm. for that I like every time I see a garbage bag on the side of the road I think of this movie <laughs> like that's how much it was in my mind um so I wasn't like while it was still affecting, it wasn't. I wasn't as freaked out. But that vomit scene, oh, it yeah. really got me. <laughs> I think the vomit scene is the grossest scene for me personally. Yeah. Like all the Same. sort of the S and M, the torturous stuff, the cut off limbs. I'm fine with that, I guess. But yeah. like the barf, it is the whole sequence of her of the sound of her barfing in the background and like at this point in the movie you're you're kind of in this weird dream sequence mm-hmm. and then you hear her barfing and just like that sound and i'm not yeah. necessarily sensitive like some people are to that but oh, in am. the context of <laughs> of you you already have this dread <laughs> right. you already know something bad is going on and then you hear her exactly. bark you see her walk out with it you know what's happening comes in the dog bowl <laughs> yeah. like you know you know what's yeah. happening and the thought of her doing it like you know that that's not the first time right <laughs> so that's that's the thing that's just like oh it's just a natural thing here yeah. here's some milk vomit you know yeah. like just oh, ruins man. everything. Gross. Milk vomit. Um, but Zena, you brought up a good point. Who's the bad guy here? Because it like mm-hmm. at the vomit part in the movie, you're like, oh no, she's the bad guy. But yeah. it, is this a revenge film? Is this torture porn? Is this a morality tale? Is mm-hmm. it feminist? Is it or is it misogynistic? I think it can definitely be read as a feminist film. I had a badge. He burned that couch badge. Uh, for taking the old sort of casting couch sort of joke and mm-hmm. trope of like yeah. old Hollywood and really like and really fucking with that trope, you know, I mean, showing the lecherous nature of casting couches and this thing that we've all joked about for decades. I feel like before 2017, before Harvey Weinstein, 
it was just, it was a fun Hollywood joke that young women were being preyed yeah. upon by producers. The way they show the casting director, the, you know, the main character, even though I think we're supposed to be sympathetic because he's like a widower and he's lonely, but he's yeah. also like going about finding a new wife in a pretty <laughs> fucked right, up right. way. <laughs> it's also like, it turns the, the rom-com tropes on its head, right? Mm-hmm. Because the first hour... You it plays like a rom com, and in a rom com, situations like that, you know, where these guys are sort of going after this, these women in inappropriate ways, would be accepted, you know, like yeah. as like a sort of like so, you know suspension of disbelief or whatever. You kind of forgive these like kind of weird <laughs> things these guys are doing in rom-coms mm-hmm. stalking women and whatever because it's supposed to be cute and romantic you know <laughs> right, right. <laughs> but then this movie says no 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 <laughs> that's not cool <laughs> and uh yeah we're gonna turn it on its head and the thing is with the widower a, a yamo i believe that's his name with him it's just kind of like okay we understand like especially i thought it was like really it's a cute relationship that he has with his son as an example Mm-hmm. And the thing is, he knew what he was doing was wrong. So that's that's where it really messes me up because it's just like, I know that you know that this isn't right. Why can't you go to a bar? I know that there, there wasn't a plenty of fish.com, but there's a bar. Go meet or go to church or I don't know. You know, right, so it's, just, right. it's, it's yeah. very strange. And it's like I say, um, you know, after rewatching it, when I was in high school and I watched it, I was just like, oh, she's crazy. And then that was that. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I rewatched it uh, recently, like maybe like a couple of years ago, right? For the first time since like high school. And it's just like, oh my gosh, like, honestly, it's not her fault. Because don't get me wrong. She is, I feel like she's a monster. She is. She's terrible. She's horrible. (laughs) She's terrifying, but it's not her fault. It's not her fault because she was abused her whole life, you know, majority of her life. And then like, even like rewatching it, that scene, we kind of touched on that with the, the dance instructor, instructor, which she happens to be like her stepfather. So it's just like, you know, he wanted her to get things perfect. And if she didn't, then he'll burn like her legs and stuff yeah. so she can perform perfectly. Then the crazy thing is, it's just like with the stepfather, it's just kind of like, it, it became like a fetish between them because he doesn't have any legs. So that's why he's, <laughs> he's acting that way. It's like a sexual foot fetish. It's just like, hey, what's what's that, right? And that's like a whole world I don't want to, I don't even want to know about. <laughs> right, right. Right? But then it's just kind of like, you know, because she was living this way, she turned into the abuser herself. And it's like with Ayama, it's like he didn't live up to his word and he lied. And it, it kind of makes me think, okay, what if he never did that, but somehow he met her? I still think that she probably would have abused him anyway, because it's like, even with those dream sequences, it's kind of like, he was like, he loved his son. And, but you said you would only love me. And it's just like, girl, like she just has so many issues. I don't think that it's her fault, but at the same time, even with Ayama, like he's just a creeper. So it's yeah. hard to say. It's so interesting. Cause in that last scene, She's saying like, you know, like, this is what you always do. You, you know, you bring us to, you know, casting calls and then you pick us up and you sleep with us and blah, blah, blah. And you're Mm. just like the rest of them. And part of me was like, no, he was looking for a wife. (laughs) (laughs) That's, you know, yeah, I think that the first time I watched it, I definitely saw her as just a monster. You know, I I don't know if I had that much sympathy for her because she is pretty horrifying. Right. But in this most recent 
rewatch, I, I find myself feeling more for her, like, and really seeing totally. and understanding, you know, again, understanding this sort of like this lecherous nature of like men in the film industry and just men in her life. Yeah. But she also is like incredibly sadomasochistic. She <laughs> right. cuts off his foot. She like decapitates that guy. You know, she keeps that other guy in a body bag. You know, it's sort of like, I want to root for her, but also maybe I don't because that seems too disturbing as a human being. Yeah. Those torture scenes when she's taking the needles and sticking them in his chest and under his eyes, like on his eyes, it's just kind of like, okay, before I was able just to watch it and just be like, whatever. But then it's just kind of like, let's really think about this. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. She's taking these long thin needles okay and basically stabbing a guy and sticking it in his skin while smiling and saying deeper 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 the word the japanese word was like uh yeah kitty yeah yeah it sounded kind of cute but then it's just like okay that's not cute you know so <laughs> that to me even though it was made in 1999 that is still one of the most disturbing scenes that i've ever seen and when i first watched it it was just like oh man this is bad but then watching it years later it's still effective. It's still, you know, it kind of makes me cringe and go, ugh, you know, just see, like, I couldn't imagine going through that. And then even with him getting his foot, you know, sawed off, like, and she was smiling. (laughs) Her performance is incredible. I have a badge for this moment. It's called the Kiri 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 badge. Oh my God. I literally have the same badge. (laughs) To Asami. I feel left out. I didn't. I didn't have that badge. It's, I had a. Ferocious. That's okay. you brought it up. But, you were the first. Yeah, one to you're bring the it one up. that brought it up because, and specifically, uh, I wanted to award Asami that uh, for doing a second <laughs> vocal take uh, because initially, when they first filmed it, she was whispering that line, uh, but then, like the actress uh, Sheena and Mike, they discussed it later and they decided it'd be scarier if she like said it, if she like said it louder Ooh, like, in her regular yeah, voice. Yeah, they were right. <laughs> they were correct. Yeah. Yes. And you know, I don't really know why a Ayama liked her. I'm I'm not being a hater. I'm just because Zena. <laughs> <laughs> I'm on her side too, but it was just kind of like with you mentioning it. It's like, you're right. And it was very just kind of like super duper serious. And it's just like, okay, why did you like her? Because you feel like you could walk all over her or something? Oh, man. And then the the hotel scene, too, when they go away together and they have a weird sexual encounter. And then he like wakes up after being drugged, maybe. I don't know. And so it's very weird. But he's like, hmm, that was strange. Better call her again. Yeah, like, it was so weird. Like, I don't get it. Like, I don't understand the attraction, like, at all. <laughs> so, um, the first badge I have, Pivotal International Horror Badge. Ooh. Because, you know, again, I kind of feel like, you know, this movie was, you know, I don't feel like the world was ready for audition, you know, because even like years later, here we are like 22 years later, and it's still super effective. It's still yeah. relevant. People still relate to it. It still creeps people out. It's just like a very timeless movie and it's a must watch, must yeah. watch movie. Yeah. Um, And then I have, I have another one. Just because I, I do feel like this is possibly one of the slowest slow burns I've ever seen, but it's very brutal. Um, so the other badge is ferociously brutal badge. 
because it's just, you know, I've, I've watched my set of, you know, mean horrors. Yeah. Nothing comes close to this one because this, you know, I, I don't want to call Asami a, a monster because it's not her fault, but she actually has like a reason as to why she is the way she is. And, you know, in turn, it turned her into the abuser. And there's just so much layers of torture and just sinister behavior. Why do you think this film and that those scenes affect us so hard? I think for me, it's because it seems more real. You know, when we saw, like, using the example, like, uh, just other slasher movies that you see. I know it's not a slasher, but it's kind of like, ha, huh, I wouldn't be in the woods, you know? <laughs> right. Or a monster coming out of the sewer. No, you know, it could be yeah. like that. To me, this felt really real. And then just the fact that throughout this entire movie, we really didn't know what she wanted. She did yeah. come off sweet. Yeah, she came off a little bit weird, but she came off sweet. She didn't seem like a threat. And plus, it's kind of like, even with those two guys, they never would have thought that any of these women who were auditioning, that they would ever do something like this. Worst case scenario, you meet a psycho who keeps on calling you back to back. She's not going to drug you and then stab your eyeballs with needles. You know, that's, right. that's just not something that happens. That's what Ayama keeps saying. He says, you know, even if she causes trouble, I can handle it. Right. It's like, no, you can't. <laughs> <laughs> I think for, for me, she is, first of all, she is sympathetic enough. She has lived this terrible life. And second of all, this may be just me, <laughs> but she is so in control of her life now you know she has taken it back yeah (laughs) she has um figured out exactly who has wronged her and who needs to pay (laughs) and she's gonna do it in a very methodical thorough way and like even though it's bonkers she's clearly like living her truth Obviously, what she's doing is not justified, but it helps me feel like this is not just like a, oh, that's a crazy bitch kind of movie, you know? Right, Like how I felt about Gone Girl, for example, (laughs) you know? (laughs) But that's That's another podcast. (laughs) Was the friend that she worked for at the bar who she murdered, was that a woman? That was a woman, yeah. And I think that has been pointed out that's like, oh, she can't be against all men because she killed that one woman. But I'm like, well... (laughs) I mean, I think she still kind of has a thing about men. I think this one woman got in the way. Right. Yeah, and then plus um, that one woman, her death was probably swift. She probably didn't even see it coming. Yeah. So. Yeah, Yeah, that's true. Although she was also dismembered, right? Oh, yeah. (laughs) So probably not because it's coming with the the wire. (laughs) Well, she could have did it after she killed her. (laughs) I think she most definitely did. <laughs> uh, I have a, I have another badge for Asami that's the best dressed badge. She's always wearing white, which mm-hmm. I think is trying to show that she's diminutive, demure, 
that she's, I think, you know, a little virginal, yeah, which totally. works very well for her, especially when she starts talking about how she's also suffered. And that was a weird turn on for him that like, uh, sh- you know what I mean? Yeah. I didn't like that. Yeah, but I he, do, he deserved it. Yeah. <laughs> but I do appreciate that she really understood what she was wearing. But then like there's that one scene, like after she gets that date and she comes and she's wearing that bright pink, like that pink fur coat. Yeah. Which I feel like I was like, oh that's her. Like that's like that's just like a little bit of like who she actually is. Yeah. She had like a that big blue coat that she wore too. That was a fabulous coat. It was a fabulous coat. (laughs) (laughs) See we can't we we're on our side. (laughs) I had a badge called the bad ballet badge because <laughs> anyone who does ballet in any movie is fucking crazy <laughs> like I know, there are so many horror movies that deal with ballet dancers oh because gosh. it's such a brutal sport it's like torture basically <laughs> you know yeah. It's, yeah. it's great fodder for these kind of like psychological thrillers or yeah. things that like can break a young girl is apparently yes, ballet totally mm. <laughs> just yeah. Breaking women down with dance. <laughs> so I have a question related to feet while we're talking about dance. <laughs> the ballet instructor, did he always not have feet or did she cut off his feet? I don't know. I kind of thought that he didn't. And then that's why he was being so abusive to her feet. So <laughs> because he didn't have any, you know, once again, right. just him trying to, uh, you know, trying to be a man and, and, abuse her but it's just kind of like you know I don't know that's that's a good question because we never really we never see him walking right we always see him either in the wheelchair or like even when she's a young girl there's that scene of her with the hot pokers he's crawling like crawling toward her yeah so did he oh yeah was he always like that and that's where she got this foot thing from I don't know because when she kills him from behind with the wire while he's sitting at the piano yeah And he doesn't see her, but the wire comes around his neck and he says, you're wonderful, (laughs) which was so gross. (laughs) It's very gross. You got the sense that he'd seen that wire before. (laughs) Yeah. Oh, no. (laughs) I do have a related badge for that, though. It's the uh, Lefty Lucy badge (laughs) to Ayala's left foot. That did not make it to the end of the movie. Oh, man. I have a... (laughs) <laughs> uh, we need to talk about the foot but yes I have a similar badge first of all no never mind let's talk about the foot first because she, they do not cut away as she's like sawing through the foot and you're just seeing it like go back and forth and you're like you know it's going through his Achilles tendon first <gasps> yeah. you know and it's just like how painful first of all he's paralyzed with this thing that makes him feel everything a thousand percent more (laughs) and then she saws through his achilles tendon and just keeps going through his bone and his foot and you see the whole thing (laughs) and you see her smiling in between yes it just looks like she's just like baking a cake or something she's just like (laughs) but a a sort of related badge we haven't talked too much about the sun the the dinosaur loving sun oh yeah so i have a jurassic parts badge because he comes home to find his dad's limbs severed and he's just sort of like oh no but he's not like he doesn't scream you know he's just like weirdly calm about it and the dad's like call the police and he's like oh yeah okay (laughs) 
You kind of inspired me to give him a badge. <laughs> give Please. this son a badge. I want to give him a stronger foot badge because the way he kicked <laughs> her down those stairs. Yes. Yes. That was quite the ending. We need to talk about that. Because, like, <laughs> I, don't, I don't know if I remember that, that that happened. I really liked the perspective of her like after she sort of hit the ground and she's like talking to Mm -hmm. Ariyama but she's just reciting the lines from their date Mm -hmm. uh, like an actor you know but just quietly saying all those things that she's been like practicing probably in her head Uh, and I thought that was I thought that was very poetic and very beautiful. Honestly Ariyama should never date again. (laughs) (laughs) I mean he won't have an easy time. (laughs) Just live a peaceful life. I think he's learned his lesson. Do you, though? Here's the thing. Here's a follow-up question. Do you think Ayama's going to date again? Yeah. yeah. Like, right. It's like an interesting end to the movie because you kind of want him to die. You know, like, it would be satisfying. It would be it would be satisfying in a certain way if she won. I mean, you know? gosh, Robin. Which, like, I guess she kind of did. <laughs> but she also dies. And then, like, yeah. you do kind of feel sad a little bit. Right? But she's dead. I felt a little sad because she just needed help. You right. Know? <laughs> right. She right. And something as like as quick and unexpected as just getting kicked down the stairs. Yeah. It was just so fast. After she's planned this whole thing with the needles and the wire. <laughs> and that was a great outfit that she chose with her. Um, <gasps> yeah. Her leather. Yeah, that is a great apron outfit. and gloves. I. Or rubber. I dressed as her for one Halloween. Oh my god! And it was excellent. And let me, okay. let me. I don't, I don't quite have we a name for this, but like, uh, I would like to give some kind of like uh, representation in horror movies badge because yes. as a young Asian woman growing up for Halloween, I didn't, I didn't really ever feel comfortable. Like, I didn't have a lot of pop culture options in like movie television media right. where like all my white friends got to be. Anybody got to be like any person from their favorite movie, right? And I was always just like, I guess I'll be Chun Li from Street Fighter, you know? Like, I didn't have there weren't like things, there weren't really necessarily things that I could dress up as until I saw audition, and then I was like, That's it, that's who I'm gonna be. (laughs) And even though not a lot of people knew who I was, I knew, (laughs) right? That was a very, very fun (laughs) Halloween. I had the apron, I had the gloves, I had like I like yeah. made my hair like real straight. It was so cool. It was <laughs> the best. Pictures. Yeah, seriously. Pictures. We'll post them on Instagram. Oh no. <laughs> <laughs> I, I do have uh, another badge, a, a small badge for uh, some something we haven't talked about, but it's called the dog dies badge because the dog <gasps> dies. Which is and so uh, you why? see the dead dog uh, from several angles. <laughs> And it's a really cute dog who kind of looks like my dog. <laughs> and that was just like, you just knew the whole movie that of the course. dog was going to was gonna yeah. die because he was so cute. And so in in the movie, he was yeah. being, always had to be fed and walked and he was trotting around. And yeah. you were just like, well, he's dead. And I appreciate that they, <laughs> that uh, he wasn't shown being killed. We didn't yeah. hear any like sad squeals or anything but then they make up for it and you see his like his face head on his dead face his twisted Mm. neck yeah it's the so i think that's the forever puppy watch badge like that goes to every movie that has an animal 
If they yeah. show it at the beginning, you know. Yeah. You just know as a horror and like, fan. You know, the, this movie is very disturbing, but that, just the dead dog, exactly. <laughs> really put it over the top. And, you know, that's what really had me questioning Asami as a person. Like, <laughs> I'll let her slide. Yes. You know, with so the men. But true. he didn't do anything, that poor little dog. It's so true. Yeah, vomit and the dog death. That's everything else I am fine with. I, I did love how after his foot was severed, she just threw it against the window. <laughs> Just tossed it out of the way. Like, no, nah, I don't need this anymore. I was going to ask, do you guys think that they were able to sew his foot back on? I mean, it I was know. a clean cut. So maybe. Yes. It's a clean cut. <laughs> I do have a question. Yes. And this may, I, I remember I did ask someone this and this made the person angry. It's not an angry question. It's just like, okay. If, not saying it will be, if this movie were to be remade, First, do you think it's possible? And two, would you check it out? Ooh, that is a really good question. I have mm-hmm. a badge for that. <gasps> do you? <laughs> I have a related badge no for that. Way. That is yeah. that is the no news is good news badge because in 2014 there was an announcement, uh, I think it was announced by Deadline that there was going to be an English language remake of Audition mm. produced by Mario Casar and directed by Richard Gray. But there's been no news since then, like not even a blip of anything. So I think the project has either been stalled or just canceled or just like whatever and kind of whatever other that happens to projects after they're announced. Um, (laughs) That is there, which for me, I feel is good news because I don't want a remake. I don't want or need an English language remake of this. I feel like even if they tried the same imagery, the same scenes, the mm-hmm. same sort of thing. It just wouldn't work right. the same way. From what I read, the remake was supposed to be more based on the novel, the Mirakami novel mm-hmm. that the audition is based on, and not not they weren't going to try to make another Takashi Miike film. Mm. I mean, because you can't. Um, mm. yeah. But I don't think that this movie can be remade. But if it did get remade, I would definitely watch it. Okay, I think right. I'm there with you. That's I, I would be mad about it, but I would watch it. <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah, I'd, I'd be, be mad, mad about it, but I would time. totally watch it. Of course I watched it. I would be open to it, but and, and not trying to, you know, where it's just like, okay, well, I'm not trying to give them ideas, but it's it's kind of like, why not do something new? Something new that's just not it. Give right, right. I did have a dream sequence badge for the dream sequence because <laughs> um, when you see the whole vomit scene right the mm-hmm. um the tongue on the floor these are all like visions that he's having so it's not like happening in real time right yes so my question is like how do, does he just know that this is happening is he imagining is any has any of this happened is there a world in which she hasn't done any of this and he's just like imagining this or is this just Miyake's way of telling us what she does <laughs> yeah I think that's, that's, <laughs> that's his way of telling us but I mean I'm thinking to myself like even like when he woke up from like his dream thought it was mm-hmm. a dream and she's just sleeping next to him I probably would have punched her or something because <laughs> after everything she was doing and just run out of the room <laughs> but he yeah. did you know so I don't know <laughs> Lena, do you have anything to plug? 
Sure. Um, I'm always on Twitter, so uh, lovely Zena, and then I'm on Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube. It's Real Queen Afora. If you don't want to watch me, if you don't want to, you know, see my face, <laughs> then you can you can check out the Bloody Disgusting podcast. Uh, we have new episodes every Wednesday. Or oh, here we go. If you don't want to see my face or hear my voice, uh, you can just go to realqueenofhorror.com. You'll kind of see me just a little bit, but it's just a little bit. So. <laughs> well, thank you, Zena. For coming on, how do you end a podcast? We're trying to figure that out. <laughs> oh, well, then, I mean, I think you guys got it. You know, you could just say. The thing is, um, Shane is really good at editing, so. There you go. You know, it could be like, all right, guys, uh, big shout out to Zena Dixon for coming on to Bunk oh, 237. You know, I'm Robin. I'm yet. Bye. You know, and it, <laughs> That's how it can be. Okay, that's what we're using. That's we're what using we're going to use. That's it. You just did it. Every oh, oh, and then and then you can even tell people where they could check out Audition. So then that uh, way they're not like, like, hey, how can I watch it? Because you tell them, so you should have been listening. Oh, this is why we had you on as a guest. Bunk 237, a horror movie podcast, stars Tiet Wen and Robin Zlotnick as the final girls of Bunk 237, and introducing Alex Skoke as camp director Susan Check. The show is produced by me, Shane Segretti. Our theme song is written and performed by Dan Zlotnick, and our outro music is written and performed by Alex Slasher. You can rate and review us on Apple Podcasts, and it may be featured on an upcoming episode. Have a badge of your own for this movie? Follow us on Instagram at Bunk237Pod and Twitter at Bunk237, and let us know. If you haven't already, please subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever podcasts are downloaded.